We're continuing our series, The Miracles of Jesus. And this morning, we're going to dive into the miracle of Jesus walking on water. Now, this miracle is recorded in three Gospels. It's recorded in Matthew and Mark and John. And this miracle of Jesus walking on the water occurs right after Jesus had fed the fifteen to 20,000 people with five loaves and two fish, which we looked at last week. And people have tried to explain away this miracle of Jesus. They said that Jesus walked out on a wooden plank to the disciples. They said that Jesus walked on the rocks that were just below the surface of the water. But if Jesus can raise from the dead and walk out of a tomb, then walking on a water is piece of cake to Jesus. And when Jesus walked on water, he didn't need any rocks. He didn't need any planks. And this is an incredible miracle of God's love, of God's care, and God's In this week's passage, it reminds me of a story about two deacons who took their pastor out fishing. Yeah, you know where this is going, don't you? But they were anchored some distance from a shore, and after they'd been fishing for a while, the first deacon said, oh, I left my lunch in the car. So he steps out the boat, he starts walking on the water, he gets his sandwich, walks across the water again and back to the boat. The pastor is amazed that this deacon was walking on water. He couldn't believe it. But the other deacon doesn't say anything, and so the pastor remains quiet. The second deacon says, oh, I forgot my thermos. So he steps out of the boat, walks on the water, gets his thermos, walks back across the water into a boat. The two deacons just keep on fishing, acting like nothing happened. The pastors are thinking, well, if they can do it, I know I can do it. So he casually tells the deacons, I need to get something that I forgot as well. So he steps over the side of the boat, promptly sinks like a rock and has to start swimming to shore. The first deacon says to the second deacon, do you think maybe next time we should tell him where the rocks are? I would hope none of our deacons would do that to me. So, but I wish, and I wish I could tell you when you give your life to Jesus that you're not going to have any problems. I wish I could tell you when you give your life to Jesus that you're going to have smooth sailing. But if I did that, I would be hiding the truth. Because when we go through life, we're going to hit bumps. When we go through life, we're going to hit rocks along the way. And as we encounter the problems we face in life, we have a choice. We can either choose faith or we can choose fear. And by looking at this passage this morning, I want you to discover several spiritual truths as to why we should always choose faith over fear. And these spiritual truths will also help us navigate the difficult circumstances that we encounter in life. Let's read Matthew 22, or Matthew 14, verses 22 to 33. It says, Immediately he, meaning Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a mile from land, battered by the waves because the wind was against them. It was around three in the morning, and he came toward them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them, Have courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. 
Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, to command me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him, and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those in the boat worshipped him and said, Truly, you are the Son of God. So this morning, I want to give you four reasons that we can choose faith over fear. The first reason we can choose faith over fear is because Jesus is preeminent over us. Jesus is preeminent over us. Now, that's a term that simply means that God is sovereign over all creation. And He has the right, as the Creator, to decide whatever happens in the life of His creation. And so after Jesus fed this large crowd, this large crowd wanted to make Jesus king for the wrong reason. They wanted an earthly king. They saw the power that Jesus had to feed all these people with so little food. And they did not realize that Jesus was coming to set up a spiritual kingdom. And so Jesus, he didn't want the disciples to be involved in this issue. So scripture says he immediately sent them to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. He made them get into the boat. Now the Greek word for made there means it's a very strong word. It means to force someone. It means to command someone. It means the disciples had no choice but to get in the boat and to cross the lake. And this happened somewhere between 7 and 9 p.m. Remember, as we looked at last week, it was getting late. It was getting dark. The people were hungry. They needed dinner. And so Jesus provided a meal for them with the fish and the loaves of bread. And so it's, they say it's somewhere between 7 and 9 p.m. And after he made the disciples get into the boat, Jesus did not get into the boat with them this time. Instead, Jesus, it says, went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Jesus wanted to spend some time with the Father. Maybe he prayed for strength knowing what was ahead. Maybe he prayed for the crowd who just tried to crown him king that God would open their eyes to see him for who he really was. Maybe Jesus was praying for the disciples as they were crossing the lake. Why would he pray for the disciples? Because Jesus knew what he was doing when he sent them across the lake in that boat. He knew that they would encounter a storm. And Jesus before had sent the disciples into a boat across the lake. But that time in Mark chapter 4 verses 35 through 41, Jesus was actually with them. But this time, Jesus is not with them. They are doing this without him. And Jesus purposefully sent them into trouble. This demonstrates Jesus' preeminence. This demonstrates Jesus' sovereignty that over everything that happens in our lives. And I believe there are times in our lives when God sends us into a storm. I believe that God ordains trials to come into our lives. And there is never a moment where Jesus is not aware of what we're going through. There is never a moment where Jesus is not sovereign over our lives, including our trials. So does Jesus purposely send us into storms? Yes, he does. And through storms and suffering, Jesus has a redemptive purpose as he wants to increase our understanding of his power. He wants to increase our understanding of his providence. And he wants to increase our faith. 
If we never encountered storms, how would we ever know the power of God? If we never encountered storms, how would we ever know the providence of God? If we never encountered storms, how would we know the genuineness of our faith? The answer is we wouldn't. Apart from the storms that God brings into our lives, we may never come to understand who Jesus really is. And we may never realize how strong our faith really is. And not too long into their journey across the lake, what happened to the disciples, they encountered a storm. Just as Jesus knew they would. And while the disciples were in a place of peril, where was Jesus? He was in a place of prayer. And because Jesus knew what the disciples were going to face, I believe part of his time that he spent praying to the Father was spent interceding on behalf of his disciples. And this is an incredible thought that Jesus, the Son of God, our Savior, is intervening for us on behalf, on our behalf, before God the Father. Romans 8.34 says, Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He's also at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Hebrews 7, 24 and 25 says, Because he remains forever, he holds his priesthood permanently. Therefore, he is always able to save those who come to God through him, since he always lives to intercede for them. And because we know Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. This should give us strength. This should give us encouragement. And this should cause us to look at the storms that we go through in our lives differently. But like the disciples, we don't have a choice of what storms we face. We don't have a choice of when we will face those storms. But when we are in peril, we can take comfort in knowing that Jesus is in a place of prayer, specifically praying for us and what we are going through. And we can't see Jesus. But I can promise you, He always sees us. We are never out of His sight. And because Jesus is omniscient, He is all-knowing. He always knows what is going on in our lives. He always knows what is going to come into our lives. And He is not blind from our struggle. He is not removed from our struggle. And we recognize these truths, that God is interceding for us. That God is preeminent over us. And we are never out of His sight. It should cause us to choose faith over fear. The second reason we should choose faith over fear is because Jesus is present with us. Verses 24 to 27, it says, The boat was already a mile from land, battered by the waves because the wind was against them. Around three in the morning, He came toward them, walking on the sea. When the disciples saw Him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them, Have courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And Mark 6, 47 through 48, which has the same account, says, Jesus saw the disciples in the middle of the sea being battered by the wind and the waves as they tried to row. Think about this. Where was Jesus as the disciples were encountering the storm? Jesus was on the mountain praying. Think of the setting. It was night. It was dark. There was a storm occurring on the lake. Yet Jesus miraculously saw his disciples in the middle of the lake struggling to make headway in the storm. 
Matthew 14, 24 says about a mile. The actual translation should be many stadia. A stadia is about 600 feet. The Sea of Galilee is, is 61 stadia wide. That's about seven miles. And Mark says they were in the middle of the lake when this occurred. They were three and a half miles from either shore. There was no turning back. They were at the point of no return. And what does Jesus do? He sees their struggle. And he does what no one has ever done before or since. He walks on the water towards his disciples. Job 9.8 says, He alone stretches out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. Only God could walk on water. Only God has power over the sea. And by walking on water, Jesus is demonstrating his power over nature and his own nature as the very Son of God. And think about this. Jesus walks over three miles on the water. And the, the circumstances in which Jesus was walking was the same circumstances the disciples were facing. It was pitch black. There was a storm going on. Scripture says it was around 3 a.m., which is the fourth watch of the night. The fourth watch is between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. And so since the time Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and cross the lake, and now somewhere between 6 and 11 hours had passed, and the disciples had not gotten very far. As they encountered strong headwinds, they were tossed by the waves. And on the lake all this time, they were surrounded by darkness and danger. You know, when the night was its darkest, Jesus came to the disciples walking on the water. And why did Jesus wait so long to rescue his disciples? Why the delay? Did Jesus really care? Yes, he cares. But he initiates the moment of deliverance in his timing, which is perfect, in a way that will give God the maximum glory. Have you ever experienced a divine moment of deliverance? Maybe you were selling your house and it sold at the right time. Maybe you received an, anon an anonymous amount of money when you needed it most. Maybe you get that job promotion at just the right time. Maybe if you hadn't been running late, you would have been involved in a car accident. Or maybe if you missed your flight and then the flight crashes. That actually happened to some missionaries of the church I grew up in. They were supposed to be on Korean Airlines 007, the flight that was blown up by the Soviet Union on September 1st, 1983. These missionaries from our church, they were going back to Thailand. They were supposed to be on that flight that morning. But for some reason, they missed that flight. No, not for some reason. It was in God's plan. They missed that flight. But if they would have been on time and been on that flight, they would have perished like everyone else. That was a divine moment of intervention. And for the disciples, this was a divine moment of deliverance. Jesus was arriving at the right time. But what did the disciples do when they saw this figure walking on the water? They thought it was a ghost. They were terrified. Scripture says they cried out in fear. Do you blame them? If you were in the middle of a lake at night and you saw someone walking on water, wouldn't you be scared? I'd be scared. They were doing what any of us would do. And there was a superstition around at this time that those who drowned in the Sea of Galilee now haunted it as ghosts. 
And so they thought the figure that was walking towards them maybe had been someone who had drowned earlier in the Sea of Galilee. And what was Jesus' response to their fear? He said, have courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Jesus wanted to assure the disciples that it was not a ghost, that it was really him. He wanted the disciples to have faith and not fear. He wanted to build their faith and he wanted to banish their fear. And the language Jesus uses when he says, it is I, is directly related to God's revelation of himself when God revealed himself to Moses as the I am, as Yahweh in Exodus 3.14. And Jesus is telling the disciples by using that language that he is more than a mere man. He is telling the disciples that he is deity. And just as Jesus was present with the disciples, he is present with us. And just as Jesus was with the disciples in their darkest moment, Jesus is with us in our darkest moment. In fact, there is never a moment where Jesus is not present with us. Joshua 1.9, Scripture says, Have not I commanded you, Lord's, the Lord's commanded Joshua, Have not I commanded you, be strong and of a good courage, neither be afraid, neither be terrified, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Hebrews 13, 5, Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And Psalm 139, 7 through 10 says this. The psalmist wrote this about God. He said, where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. If I live at the eastern horizon or settle at the western limits, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. We need to realize that wherever we go, that whatever we go through, that God is always there and we are never alone. There is not a place we can go where God is not. God is always present. God never abandoned us. We are never out of his reach. And this morning you might feel like you're stuck in the middle of a lake with a storm surrounding you. You're going nowhere. You need help. You need rescue. You're in a dark moment. You need a dark moment of deliverance. It's okay to do what the disciples did in their dark moment. They cried out to God. And Psalm 61, 2 says this, From the ends of the earth I cry to you for help with my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the towering rock of safety. The psalmist says when I'm overwhelmed, when I don't have the strength to go through the storms of life, I'm going to cry out to God. My shelter, my refuge, my towering rock are safety. The one who is greater than my problems. The one who sees us and the one who is always present with us. And when we cry out to God, he will answer us just like he answered these disciples. He'll say, have courage. Don't be afraid. I am here. Someone said, fear is unwarranted when Jesus is present. You see, because Jesus is always with us, we have no reason to fear. But because Jesus is always with us, we have every reason to have faith. And may we never forget when Jesus leads us into a storm. He will always be with us during the storm. And his deliverance from the storm is always at the right Another reason I want to share with you is we can choose faith over fear is because Jesus' power in us 
verses 28 to 31 says Lord if it's you Peter answered him command me to come on the water come he said climbing out of the boat Peter started walking on the water and came towards Jesus but when he saw the strength of the wind he was afraid and beginning to sink he cried out Lord save me immediately Jesus reached out his hand caught hold of him and said to him you of little faith why did you doubt Peter saw Jesus walking on the water Peter wanted to go to Jesus and Peter said if it's you Lord probably better translated since it's you command me to come on the water with you and what did Jesus do he told Peter to come and knowing it was Jesus Peter trusted that he could join Jesus on the water not because of what Peter could do but because he knew what Jesus could do he trusted his power he trusted his authority he had already seen Jesus calm the storm before he'd already seen Jesus feed 15,000 people with little food he'd seen Jesus heal many he saw Jesus cast out demons Peter was well aware of the power of Jesus and he knew if Jesus told him to come to him he could trust him he knew Jesus wasn't going to fail him he knew Jesus wasn't going to abandon him he knew Jesus wasn't going to disappoint him he knew Jesus was not going to mislead him and Peter took a step of faith he stepped out of the boat onto the water with the storm still raging and notice that Peter was the only disciple who was willing to get out of the boat and walk towards Jesus in the middle of the storm and it took more faith for Peter to get out of the boat than for him to stay in the boat and the only reason Peter could walk on water was because of his faith in the power of Jesus there was no way Peter could do this in his own strength and the key to Peter being able to walk on the water was trust in Christ and when we face storms in our lives it's comforting though that we do not have to face them in our own power that we don't have to face them in our own strength but we can face them and overcome them in his power and in his strength and we need to remember that the battles of this life, the storms of this life, they don't belong to us. They belong to Him. And in fact, if we try to face them on our own, we will fail and fail miserably. And I'm reminded of an incredible and one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. It's the story of one of the great kings of Israel, of Judah, King Jehoshaphat. He faced a battle against the oncoming armies he was afraid he knew he couldn't overcome them he was greatly outnumbered and then God spoke to him and as the armies of Moab and Ammon and Mount Seir descended upon Jerusalem King Jehoshaphat he called for what he would term a state of emergency for the entire city he knew he needed to turn to the Lord just as all of us do when we counter mountains or giants much bigger than ourselves and King Jehoshaphat, he refused to dwell on how overpowered his army was. But instead, he centered his thoughts. He centered his focus on how big and how powerful and faithful God was. He put his hope in him. And he shouted to all those people gathered together fasting that day. And he said, no one can withstand our God. Reminds me of Romans 8.31, where, where Paul wrote in Romans, if our God is for us, who can stand against us? And Jehoshaphat, he turned the focus from himself 
and he turned it to where it needed to be in order to find help and experience victory. You know, man can disappoint us. Man can fail us, but God never will. And if we're left to our own devices, if we trust in our earthly wisdom, we're only going to seek deeper into pain and frustration, and it will rob us of our hope and defeat us of our joy. And look what 2 Chronicles 20, 15 through 18 says. It says, Through the prophet Jehaziel, the Lord spoke to King Jehoshaphat and all of Judah. Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. The battle is not yours but God's, and you will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position and stand firm. See the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. You see, we don't have to live in fear and discouragement, even when we are attacked by things that are much bigger than ourselves. But what we do need to remember in the storms that overwhelm us and overpower us is the battle is not ours. It is God's, and we need to stand still, and we need to see His salvation. And we need to face And we need to fight our battles not in our strength, but in His strength. And standing still doesn't mean that we absolutely do nothing. Even though God commanded King Jehoshaphat and the Israelites to stand still, He still ordered them to go out to the battlefield. He said, you still go to the battlefield, but you stand watch and see what I'm about to do. He reminded them that he was the one that was going to be with them. He was the one who was going to fight for them. He was the one who was going to win the battle. And when God says stand still, it's the idea of actively believing him and trusting him and taking him at his word no matter what the circumstances are. And as we focus ourselves and our thoughts and our faith and our hope on him, He will lead us through the storm and tell us exactly what to do, just as he did for King Jehoshaphat, just as he did for Peter. And in both cases, God told them to come to him and trust him because the only way they were going to overcome their circumstances was through the power of God. And this is the same for us. When we think we are surrounded by the storms of life, We need to fight through the storm knowing that we are surrounded by Him. And the only way we're going to win our battles, the only way we're going to make it through the storm is through the strength of God. So Peter, through God's strength, he began walking on the water. Peter was doing great. Can you imagine what Peter was thinking as he took that first step on the water? And then he took that next step and the next step as he was walking towards Jesus in the midst of the storm. And imagine what the other disciples were thinking. Now just, not just one person was walking on the water. Two people were walking on the water. And I'm sure the disciples were in awe. They were in disbelief. But then something happened. We get to verse 29. Peter took his focus off Jesus. And Peter began focusing on what was happening around him. Verse 29, or verse 30, it says, Peter started walking on the water, came toward Jesus. When he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. Peter took his focus off Jesus. And he began focusing on what was happening around him. He began focusing on the strength of the wind 
and the storm, and he became afraid. But while Peter was focusing on Jesus, he had no issue with the waves. He had no issue with the winds. And this was an incredible picture of faith and trust as Peter was able to do the miraculous. He was walking on water. But once he took his eyes off Jesus and saw that the wind was fierce, he was in trouble. You know what happened to Peter? He was overcome by fear instead of faith. And because he chose fear over faith, he began to sink and he cried out, Lord, save me. But before we criticize Peter, think about how much faith it took for Peter to get out of that boat as the storm was raging and walk to Jesus simply at the command of Christ. Come. It took a lot of faith for Peter to do what he did. How many of us would be willing to do what Peter did? Some of you don't even like water. Some of you don't even like being on a boat. But think of these disciples in the middle of the Sea of Galilee with this raging storm. And Peter says, you know what? I'm going to get out of this boat and I'm going to walk towards Jesus. And he did. Yes, his fear caused him to fail. But at least he had the faith to get out and start walking towards Christ. You know, when we go through difficult times, we need to choose faith over fear. No matter how bad the storm is, we need to have the faith to continue to walk towards Jesus as the storm is raging, never taking our eyes off of Him. And this is the kind of trust that we need to have in God. This is what faith is all about. Whereas faith shows trust in God, fear shows a lack of trust in God. And notice when Peter was overcome with fear and took his eyes off Jesus. Jesus was there to save him. Verse 31 says, Immediately Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him, and saved him, and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? Now this picture of reaching down, of Jesus reaching down to Peter, was not only a picture of what Jesus does for us when he rescues us from the storms of life, but it's also a picture of Jesus reaching down and rescuing us when we were sinking in the sea of death and sin. Psalm 40 verse 2 says, He brought me up from a desolate pit out of the muddy clay and set my feet on a rock, making my steps secure. How did Jesus rescue from us from a muddy pit? How did he do it and set our feet on a rock? It was through the cross. It was through Calvary. This is not only a picture of Jesus saving us from the storms that we go through in life, it's also a, a picture of Jesus saving us through the cross and through his shed blood. And it takes faith to come to Jesus. It takes faith to put your trust in Jesus. It takes faith to give your life to Jesus. But it also takes faith to live for Jesus and to follow him. And the only way that you can live for Jesus and follow him is to keep your eyes upon him which is what Peter failed to do. And when Jesus tells Peter, oh, you of little faith, Peter is, uh, Jesus is challenging Peter to have more faith because it wasn't the storm that endangered Peter's life. Peter was okay in the storm as long as his eyes were on Jesus. It wasn't the storm that caused him to sink. You know what caused him to sink? His lack of faith. And Jesus said, why did you doubt? And the word doubt means to be divided in two. And true faith means that we are single-mindedly focused on Jesus. 
So when Peter was focused on the storm, you know what happened? He couldn't focus on Jesus. And that's why he began to sink. And what started out as Peter's great faith turned to little faith. Not because of the storm, but because of the choice he made. Because the object of his faith changed. You see, he chose to focus on the chaos around him instead of Christ. He began to doubt instead of trust. And if we fear, if we doubt, if we choose to focus on the chaos instead of Christ, we really can't say we have faith in God because where fear is, faith cannot be. Fear and faith cannot coexist. You can't fear life and have faith in God. Fear and faith can't go together. Because if you don't have faith, what you're saying is, I really don't trust God. I really don't believe that God is going to help me through this difficult time. And that's what happened to Peter. His focus became misplaced. And when we have a misplaced focus, problem arises. When doubt replaces trust, problems arise. When fear replaces faith, problems arise. But in his moment of crisis, what did Peter do? He knew who to call out to. He knew Jesus wasn't going to sit back and watch him sink and drown. You know what? There may be times in our lives where our faith becomes like Peter. We are focusing on Jesus, but then for some reason the storm begins to become too much for us. And we take our eyes off Jesus and begin focusing on what's happening around us, and we begin to sink. But even in these moments, we can call out to God. And He will be there for us just like He was there for Peter. How awesome it is to know that we are never out of God's sight. We are never out of God's reach. And we are never out of God's care. And God is an all-loving God. He is an all-powerful God. And instead of trusting our strength, we need to trust His strength. Realizing the battle is not ours, but his. Instead of doubting God and choosing fear, we need to trust him and choose faith. As Hebrews 12, 2 says, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And not our problems, as he is the only one who can give us the strength to walk towards him in the middle of a storm. And in the midst of the storm, we should always walk towards Jesus and never away from him as this demonstrates faith in him and trust in him. Verse 32, the next point. We can choose faith over fear because Jesus is peace around us. Jesus is peace around us. After Jesus rescued Peter, Jesus didn't hold Peter's failure against him. He restored him to the place where he was. And I think it's implied from the text that after Jesus rescued Peter, that Jesus and Peter walked on the water together back to the boat. I don't know if I've ever thought about that before. But when Jesus rescued Peter, he restored him to the place where he was. And hand in hand, Peter and Jesus walk on the water to get back in the boat with the rest of the disciples while the storm was still happening. I want you to notice Jesus didn't calm the storm after he saved Peter from sinking. You know what he did? He called Peter. And as they walked on the water back to the boat, 
Peter now has the peace of Jesus because he's in the presence of Jesus. And just as Jesus brought peace into Peter's life without calming the storm, Jesus can bring peace into our lives without calming the storm as well. And don't miss this. Peace is not found in the absence of the storm. Peace is found in the presence of Jesus. Peace is not found in the absence of storm, but it's found in the presence of Jesus. And no matter what you're going through in life, no matter what storm is raging around you, you can have the peace of Jesus because you are in the presence of Jesus as he is walking with you in the storm that you're facing. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This world cannot give you peace. People in this world look for peace in so many things. But Jesus, the Prince of Peace, is the only one who is able to bring peace in our lives in the middle of the storm. And Jesus not only gave Peter peace in the storm, I want you to see also Jesus calmed the storm. Because when Peter and Jesus got in the boat, what happened? It says that the wind stopped immediately. Jesus is the only one who will bring peace in our lives in the midst of the storms. And he is the only one that can calm the storm. And one day, he being the Prince of Peace, he is going to come again. And he's going to bring total peace and complete peace to those who've placed their faith and trust in him. And because Jesus is the Prince of Peace, because Jesus is the true source of peace, and this life and in the life to come, we can choose faith over fear. And what's the result of choosing faith over fear? Verse 33. Those in the boat worshipped him and said, Truly you are the Son of God. You see, because Jesus is preeminent, because Jesus is present, because Jesus is power and peace, our only response is that of praise. After Peter and Jesus stepped back into the boat and Jesus calmed the winds and the waves, how did the disciples respond to Jesus? They said, Truly this man is the Son of God. And they worshipped him. Did you realize this is the first time the disciples addressed Jesus in this way? God the Father had already recognized Jesus as his son. Even the demons in Matthew 8, 29 called Jesus the son of God. But this is the first time that the disciples realized who Jesus really is. And if you recall the first time Jesus calmed the storms while the disciples were on the lake, they asked this question, Who is this man that even the winds and the seas obey him? You know what happens now? And I think this may have been the reason Jesus sent them into this storm, for them to realize who he really is. Because the first time they said, Who is this man that, in the vent, uh, that, that even the winds and the seas obey him? And now they ask the question, Who is this man? Who is this man? They say he is the Son of God. You see, our greatest and only response to the preeminence and the presence and the power and the peace of Jesus should be that of worship and there is a connection between belief and worship because if you truly trust God if you truly have faith in God you will worship him but if you don't trust him and you doubt him it is impossible to truly worship God how can you worship God if you're not trusting him how can you worship God if you're worrying about the things that are going on 
around you. But when we truly recognize who Jesus is and what he's done, we realize that he is to be worshipped. We realize how he is to be worshipped. We are to realize that he is to be praised. There's a song called Raise a Hallelujah. The chorus says this, I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're going to hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated. The king is alive. You see, if we truly trust him, even in the middle of the storm, we need to give him the glory and the honor and the praise that he is due because of who he is and what he's done in our lives. Because death is defeated and he is alive. Church, we're going to face storms. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. Some storms happen suddenly, unexpectedly, like a tornado. For some storms, you can prepare. You know it's coming, more like a hurricane. But in either case, you can't stop the storm. In either case, you can't control the storm. But when the storm comes, either expectedly or unexpectedly, you have a choice to make. And you can choose fear or you can choose faith. And this morning, I want to challenge you and encourage you to always choose faith over fear. Remembering that Jesus is sovereign over the storms in your life. And if Jesus leads you into a storm, he'll be present with you in the storm. And you don't have to face these storms alone as he will give you the strength and he'll give you the peace in the midst of it. And no matter how bad the storm gets, don't lose focus. Don't lose faith. And keep your eyes on Jesus and not the problem. Trust Him and believe in Him. And remember, there is no power like the mighty name of Jesus. And if you're here this morning and you're watching online and you've never given your life to Jesus, I want to just share with you, you can't know the power of Jesus. You can't know the peace of Jesus. You can't know the presence of Jesus until you make the choice to give your life to Him and making peace with Him by accepting what Jesus did on the cross as the payment for your sin. And this morning, we'd love to show you and share with you how you can come to know Jesus and have His presence and have His peace in your life. Or maybe you're here and you've given your life to Christ. I ask you, when you go through the storms, do you choose fear or do you choose faith? Do you doubt God or do you trust God? Do you focus on your circumstances and the chaos or do you focus on Christ? When you go through the storms, do you continue to praise Jesus for who he is and what he's done? Or maybe you're going through a storm right now just like the disciples. You're stuck in the middle of that lake. Things are getting dark. You feel like you're being battered and going nowhere. Maybe this morning you need to come to this altar and cry out to God. Or maybe God is telling you that you need to start walking towards Him and trust Him instead of walking away from Him. Whatever God needs to do in your life this morning, I want to encourage you to come to this altar. Maybe there's a storm in your life you need to pray about. Maybe there's a storm in someone else's life that you need to lift up this morning. This altar is open and if you need to pray with me or talk to me, I'll be down here as well.
Maybe you've given your life to Christ and God wants you to follow Him in baptism. Or maybe there's uh, God's calling you to become members of our church. Whatever decision you need to make, we want to encourage you to make that this morning. So let's pray and the bill's going to come and sing our, our uh, song of commitment. And it's going to be up to you as to what you do with Jesus this morning. But I want to challenge you to always choose faith over fear. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you this morning. and We just thank you for this time that we've been in your word. And Lord, we just thank you for this miracle this morning. And Father, I thank you for this miracle. Father, you, can show, you show us how we can choose faith over fear. God, because of your preeminence, because of your power. Father, because of your presence. And be God, because of who you are and what you've done. God, we should praise you no matter what's going on in our lives. And Father, I pray that we would always focus on you and always walk towards you no matter what's happening around us. And Father, if there's someone here this morning who doesn't know you, I pray today would be their day of salvation. They would say, I want the presence of Jesus in my life. I want the peace of Jesus in my life. I want the power of Jesus in my life. And Father, may they understand they can't experience that unless they give their life to you by accepting what Jesus did on the cross for them. And Father, for those that made that decision to follow you, Father, I pray that they would allow you to be sovereign over their lives. Father, I pray that they would always choose faith over fear. And Father, this morning, maybe there are those here who are going through storms and they just need you. They need divine intervention. They need you to reach down and deliver them and rescue them. Father, may they feel your presence, your peace, and your power this morning. God, we love you. We thank you for who you are. Lord, and as we sing this song of commitment, Lord, it's an invitation for people to come and respond to you. And God, we pray that people would respond this morning as you've asked them to do. We love you. We praise you. It's in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Let's stand as we sing. and if. God has called you to come to this altar and laid it on your heart, maybe to pray for yourself or pray for someone else. We invite you to come as we sing.